is a very powerful story of an experience I had when I was living in Washington, D.C. It's really why I advocate so frequently for nonviolent communication. Nonviolent communication is how you can communicate with others nonviolently. And while that's usually just physical, it's also verbal as well. And then again, on top of nonviolent communication, it's having the social intelligence to navigate an incredibly precarious situation and learning how to actually get out of it. So what does that mean? What does it look like? What am I talking about? Guys, here we go. Let me take you back to summer of 2022. And we'll start from the top and then we'll work our way to the end. I, I was living in Washington, D.C. in a nicer area in Logan Circle. So it's right outside downtown, probably half a mile, just about a mile. And I decided to leave my house and I needed to put something in my car. I needed to change the registration, all that stuff. So it's 1130 at night. I'm on the phone with my dad and I walk right outside my house, probably walking 30 seconds, get to my car. And when I get to my car, I go inside, open the glove compartment because I needed to change some things on the, the dash or the not dashboard uh, windshield. Had to change some stuff from the inside. As I'm there, my the phone is on the passenger seat, talking to my dad. We've been talking for a while and I get a knock at the window. It's 1130 at night. Who's knocking at my window? What's going on? And I'm parked in the street. So I'm not in a driveway, garage, nothing like that. I turn and I said, no, no, I'm, I'm good. Uh, I don't got any money. All good. I turn around to continue in the glove compartment. I get another knock at the window. All right, this time I look back, look to my left, and I see this individual, and they're wearing a black ski mask, white shirt, black pants, and they go to me, or I go to them, I say, can I help you? And the person goes, get out of that effing car, I'm taking you right now. I looked at this person super confused, and I said, ah, I mean, I see the black ski mask, I'm saying this in my mind, but there's no way that you're taking my car. So quickly, just initially, I went to go lock the door. And as I did that, he begins to grab on the door handle and just starts yanking it super aggressively. Now, as he does that, I think, whoa, I look at him. He's continuing to be aggressive, probably in his late 20s. And I say out loud, whoa, am I being robbed right now? And my dad, who's on the phone, he goes, Bruce, is everything OK? And I said, yeah, dad, I, th I think I'm being robbed. I turn, look at the guy, he's continuing. So I go to put my car in reverse because I'm in a parallel spot. I put my car in reverse and then I go to drive it forward and then I need to do it again and then to go forward again to get out. But after I went backwards the first time, I put my car in drive and the guy goes and reaches into his pocket and pulls out a gun. Pulls out the gun, and he has it right there at the window. And I said, whoa, 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 hold on. Let's just, let's take a second. Guy at the window goes, listen, man, I'm not playing. I need the car right now. Get the F out. So I go to him. Basically, I'm in panic mode. But again, I didn't even really believe it was real up until the gun was there. And I realized, wow, I'm actually probably stuck in this moment. And I was thinking, all right, what do I do? Do I get out? If I get out, maybe he could stab me, shoot me. 
may just beat me up. I don't know. I mean, again, if I stay in the car, he could just shoot through the window. So at this moment, I'm totally stuck. I have no idea how to really get out of there. But then it comes to me. It comes to me that I need to use nonviolent communication and develop whatever social intelligence I had at that point and use it. And here's what I did. And yes, it's crazy. I do not wish anyone else is in this moment, but you got to be creative. You got to think outside the box when you're stuck inside a box. Although being inside the box and being stuck is an illusion, but that's for another time. So as I'm there, I think, all right, how do I get out of this? I need to do some mental jujitsu with this guy. So I turn to him and I put my, as I turn to him, I put my left arm in uh, grabbing the steering wheel. And I do that so I can block the gas tank. And I say to the guy, I go, listen, man, even if you were to take the car right now, where are you going to go? There's no gas left in this car. You won't even make it very far. As I say that, the guy looks to the looks to the gas tank, but my arm was there blocking the gas tank, not so much so he knew I was lying, but just enough so that he couldn't really confirm what was going on. And when I said this, he looks at me and he goes, ah, all right, man, you know what? Whatever. I, I need the car. Or not, I need the car. He goes, I need everything in the car. And then in my mind, I put my arm down. I think in my mind, perfect. Yes. I got this guy. We're good. Because as soon as he conceded and said yes to working with me, I knew that he was at least going to cooperate to some extent. And as he does that, I think, all right, boom, I got him. Let's go. And I say to him, after he asks for everything in the car, I said, dude, look around. There's nothing in this car you're going to want. And I had my phone on the side. There were papers out, had some money laying around. And the guy goes, ah, you know what? Whatever. I just said, I need some money. I'm not leaving here until I get some effing money. Again, he capitulated twice. First time about the gas thing. And then second time with whatever's in the car. So at this point, I look at him. And it's funny because when I was seeing this guy, pitch black, I'm all alone in the street. Given. Everyone's asleep. They're in their houses. I'm the only one out in the street. No one's around. I'm there and... I look at this guy and I look in his eyes and I just, I see so much fear. I see fear. I see desperation. I see isolation. I see disconnect. And I just begin to understand it. So using the social intelligence of picking up these cues, using conflict resolution and nonviolent communication, I go to him and I say, listen, man, I understand you're very stressed right now. I would love to help you. However, I can't do that financially, but I'm more than happy to help you in other ways. Look, I've been in your position before where I haven't had resources, struggling. I understand what it's like. And I would love to help you just financially, I can't do that, but I'm more than happy to help you in another way. I kid you not, as I say that to this guy, through the ski mask, the black ski mask, I see him pause, I see him look down, I see him take some deep breaths. I see him relax for a moment. And after a grueling two minutes, a car finally comes behind and he books it. Just runs super duper quick. Now, after he goes and runs, take a deep breath, think, oh my goodness. Wow, that was intense. My dad goes, Bruce, is everything okay? Is everything fine? And given he's listening to this entire call that entire time. 
I said, yeah, yeah, dad, it's all good. I got to go get this guy. So I go change the car. The, I put it back in drive and I go to chase the, the guy down a one way. So he comes down, he's running up on one way and then I'm going in its reverse. So I'm going against traffic given no one was there. So it was totally fine. Chasing him in the car. He, he makes a turn. I turn right and he's totally gone. As he's gone, I arrive and there are two police officers. So I go to these two police officers, a little bit out of breath, get out of my car, said, oh, good evening, gentlemen. I just want to inform you guys uh, not to be alarmed, but there was a gentleman. I said, gentlemen, didn't want to make the guy look bad, although he was definitely in the wrong for what he was doing. I said, look, I don't want to make this guy, I don't want to get this guy in trouble, but there was a person who came to my vehicle and he had a weapon and he was looking to take it. And they said, oh my goodness, are you okay? Are you all right? I said, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm a little shaken up, but I'm good. And the police officers asked for a description. And I go, ah, well, you know, black ski mask, white shirt, black pants, yada, yada, everything. And they asked me like, all right, what color, what color skin is he? And it starts to get a little bit aggressive. And I had to say, I said, ah, well, he's of color. Uh, he was roaming around. He seemed like a mid to late 20s year old guy. Didn't seem like he wanted to really, really hurt anyone. Just he was desperate, but he definitely needs to be taken care of. All the stuff to not get the, the, the assailant killed because in this situation, who knows what this person has on him. Maybe this was a BB gun. Who knows? But either way, how do we communicate in a way that, hey, we got to be careful versus, uh, versus, hey, this guy's lethal. Very tricky situation. That's what I thought on the spot would be the best thing to do. Now, all this wraps up. I make my way back to my house, shaken, stirred, bugging. I'm glad to be alive, but what a powerful experience that didn't even seem real. And what's really nuts about this entire story, the crazy part about the story is if we go back a few hours before that entire event happened, let's say 7.30, Washington, D.C., we're on the rooftop, sunset. 7.30, where I'm hanging out at the roof, uh, my girlfriend at the time comes over and we're talking on the roof. And she goes and she's asking, she goes, Bruce, I don't really know what job I should take, I'm stuck. There are a few options I'm looking, I don't know what to do. And I decided to help her out. And based off what she was saying is that the first job really just made her feel super significant. And I decided to share with her the idea that as humans, we have six core needs that we all have. We have the need for certainty, the need for variety, the need for love and connection, the need for significance, the need for growth, and the need for contribution. And that first job made her feel incredibly significant because of everything it offered. It was prestigious, it was accolades, yada, yada. And it was very enticing. And I was sharing with her, I said, you know, there's healthy way to meet our needs and unhealthy way to meet our needs. We have that end need, but the vehicle is super different. A healthy way to meet that need of significance is, or examples of it at least, would be to volunteer for an organization, support a family member, support a friend, support a stranger, help at the soup kitchen, whatever it is that you can give back in a way that is going to do well for others. That's the, that's the, the healthy way of achieving that need. And now the unhealthy way, which 
this is insane. The unhealthy way to reach that need could be, for example, if, and I said this to her, so just imagine, I said, an unhealthy way could be this. Imagine there's a person who lives in the inner city and they're in a a neighborhood where there's really nothing going on for them, right? This person, they have no compelling future. We're assuming they have no compelling future, no romantic partners, no familial support, lack of emotional health and stability. How significant do you think they would feel on a scale from one to 10? If you go zero, bravo, you're right. Zero, not at all. Now, if that person comes to an affluent neighborhood in the city and they put a gun to someone's face, how significant do they feel now? Scale of one to ten, scale from one to ten, a hundred. And it's insane because not more than three hours later, that exact same thing happened to me. Now, whether that's the universe, whether I don't know what's going on, but what I've learned is you gotta be very careful how you speak. So now when I tell this story, I think I gotta change my example because that is not the outcome we want. But jokes aside, it's insane how that happened. And of course I didn't bring that on myself. It's something that I created, nothing like that. But it just really reiterates the idea that we have to be very conscientious of everything we're thinking because everything we think becomes an action. Every action we take has a consequence. Same was with the thought, same was with the belief. And in this moment with this gentleman, I call him a gentleman because I don't like to, I don't believe it gives us power to speak about someone in that way, even if they did us harm, because it's like that quote, I think it's Gandhi said it, it's holding a grudge or something like that against an enemy is like drinking poison and expecting your quote unquote enemy to die, right? Or to get sick, but you're the one who's actually gonna reap the, the negative aspects of it. Now, aside from that, it's also understanding the ability to communicate nonviolently how to really work a situation where the odds are stacked against them. And above all, what this really taught me, and oh man, I hope this teaches you guys this. And it's a quote by Confucius. And Confucius says, it's, it's wonderful. He was way beyond his time. He goes, it is only when a mosquito lands on your balls that you realize there is a way to solve problems without using violence. And I think that's so important to remember because might is right only to a certain point. Sure, that's a crazy example I gave. I did not enjoy being uh, nearly carjacked at gunpoint. I don't want it to ever happen again. I watched a video the other day of someone having it happen to them. Brought back very bad memories. It wasn't good. But the bright side of it is learning that while people believe that the pen is mightier than the sword, the this, uh, the tongue is stronger than, than both. How do we understand the other? How do we use rhetoric? How do we communicate? How can we navigate tumultuous waters that can have us on the precipice of death only to emerge victorious, alive, breathing, and with a story to tell that can hopefully inspire others to actually do the same. With that being said, everybody learn your nonviolent communication. Hope this inspires you. I'm going to, that's actually the first time I shared this story 
on any kind of medium online. Yeah, very powerful. Uh, it's even tough to go back and look at it, but work on nonviolent communication. We're going to be working on social intelligence, all of that and more to come. Take care of yourselves, learn how to communicate, how to speak, how to understand human behavior, because once you understand that, the world is truly your playground.